the 137th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina E-Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. We've got a not-so-fun subject to talk about as Gregory G.G. Jackson did officially decommit from UNC earlier this week. And we're going to go over some dates for Carolina's non-conference schedule. We can't go over all the opponents because all those have yet to be released. But before we do any of that, we start every edition of the pod, as we always do, with our pod thought of the day. And we go to legendary uh, ESPN broadcaster, the late but great Stuart Scott, who was quoted as saying, Every day I am reminded that our life's journey is really about the people who touch us. I hope in some form or fashion this podcast touches you in some way uh, because I do know that I have that effect mainly on my co-host. Wow, way to just completely turn it. <laughs> we went from a serious conversation here talking, you know, which is true. We really do hope that, you know, if this is this is just something to take your mind off of what is going on in life and everything like that. We hope that this is kind of that. Like we can be your friends that you are talking, you know, college basketball with or just listening to talk college basketball at least. Um are you saying I don't touch your life in some form or fashion? Of course not. No. Um that's heartbreaking because we've been co- best friends for fifteen years. We're just coworkers. Well, okay, so are you, I, I don't want to say that it's in a negative light, so No. I'm just kidding. No, of course. Um because yeah, I mean clearly we've been doing this for how many years now as friends? Um, doing the podcast, doing the uh, the blog, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, okay. Sure. But I thought you were going to take the route of you're hoping that we're touching the listeners, and that we're. I was just using you as the example of the way that I've touched your life. I hope this is the same I think way. You were trying to show me up. No. It was just using okay. you as the example that I want the listeners to be okay. touched okay. the same way that I've I've enhanced your life. Okay. Um, so that is our pod thought of the day. Let's go ahead and get into the nitty gritty, and that is Gregory G.G. Jackson. Um, he ironically decommitted on Thursday night, two hours after I did the uh, episode with Alex Caramanos. If you go back and check that out, we talked about kind of what what got us what 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 got to the verge of him decommitting. And um, for those of you that follow recruiting very well, follow his recruitment very closely. This 
this doesn't feel like a decision that was made by Gigi Jackson himself. This was very uh, influenced by his parents that wanted to wanted him to stay closer to home and um and, and there's there's a lot of talk about him reclassifying to join the South Carolina program this year which is ironic because Carolina offered him the chance to reclassify and join the program this year join a national title contending team this year he opted to not Carolina goes they add the the, the front court piece that they're missing in Pete Nance and and for some reason that that didn't sit well with the Jackson family they wanted to push him to to play this year even though their son said over and over again um, he didn't feel he was ready to play basketball at the highest level that being Carolina that's not going to happen at South Carolina you're going to play in a very good conference the SEC last year was as good as any conference was at the top but night in night out it's not the same as playing in the ACC, but then not only is, is is reclassifying to play for South Carolina an option, now there could just be where he goes to G League route, something that uh, uh, we we haven't seen as many recruits do ever since that became an option. Uh, when the G League kind of propped on the scene, we kind of thought that was going to be the next wave that was going to hurt recruiting and really the overall college basketball product. But we've only seen a handful or so players do so. And while they've they've had great success going the G League route straight to the NBA, it's still not the same as getting that college experience and playing in the NCAA tournament and stuff like that. So... I guess that the question is: is now that Carolina's officially moved on, um, they've offered they've offered T.J. Power, they've uh, they've offered Zayden High in this class, Drake Powell, an in-state product in the 2024 class. So there's no scenario where G.G. Jackson recommits to UNC. That's off the table. Yep, Carolina's moving on, and they needed to move on. How are we supposed to feel though about this decision by Jackson to 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 decommit? Because even though it wasn't maybe driven by him, it really contradicts everything he said upon committing and the the two weeks he 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 went on, I guess, solidifying his commitment to Hubert Davis and Carolina. You know, it's it's a very weird situation because we've never dealt with anything like this at Carolina. Not that we can. First of all, this is the first decommitment since of the 2003 recruiting era, and that was a guy that decommitted to go to the league. So, and maybe that's possible. This could be another similar situation. Now, again, it is a little different because you can't go straight to the NBA draft, but. Um, I mean, it's it's so difficult to really be that crucial, that critical, I, I mean, of the situation because, I mean, what, who who is actually making this decision is the question. And, and here's the thing, we're never actually going to get a firm answer. We will never know who actually went into making this decision final form. There are rumors but there's nothing confirmed. There's not somebody doing a 30 for 30 on him that can tell us what officially happened. So, I mean, my thing with it is, is look, this is a dude that right now, everything seems to be all over the place for him. Mm -hmm. Um, We've heard rumors that he was wanting to commit to Carolina earlier than he did when he originally committed and was basically told to hold off by 
his mom, the parents, whoever. I, I don't know what the combination was there, but it makes some sense why this ended up happening. Um, I just, you know, I hope that's not the case because I would really hate it for him if that was the case. I think that, you know, he's he's got a lot of talent. There's no doubt about that. But I was telling one of my coworkers here earlier upstairs before we came down to record you know I just we've seen him play in person multiple times there was never a time where I watched him and said this is like a once in a generational type of player and that's not slighting him I think he deserved to be a five star I think there is a ton of talent there but I said it multiple times and I still stick to it and it's not because he left Carolina. I said it before. I don't think this is a guy that needs to reclassify. To me, and and Rob Dowster, I was listening, pulling some sound for a radio show late last late this past week, and he said it best. He said, first of all, we're not sure if this guy's ready for this step. Second of all, this is a guy that's now going to enter a draft. With a guy in, and I think it's, I think his last name is pronounced uh, Wandanyama, Victor Wandanyama from France, who is seen as the best prospect since LeBron James. And there are there there are plenty of other guys that are going to be right near the top of that draft as well. That a lot of people think have staying power and are not going to go anywhere. So this is a guy that could get drafted. What maybe middle of the first round? Yep. It's just it's it's a very weird situation. Well, so to it, me, I don't. I'm not going to get mad about it. I think the people that are and and it's so sad that we always have to say this every time that we have a decision like this. Yeah, he shut down the the replies and everything because you can do that, but people still quote tweet it, and there are people that are going after him and everything like that. Guys, if these rumors are true, this is just making the situation for him worse. If his mom is really the person that's telling him, you can't make this decision, I am going to help you make this decision or make it for you, which again, we don't know, then by just harassing him, I can't even imagine what he's got to be feeling right now. So just, it's a decision. Carolina will be fine. So will South Carolina if they land him or not, it's just it's something you have to let play out. And for Carolina, look, like you said, they've already confirmed it. They've moved on. They've got other guys, and they're focused elsewhere. I do think this leads, though, to a question, and I use his recruitment to one that Roy Williams went through roughly 30 years ago when he was at Kansas trying to get Jimmy King to Lawrence. He chose Michigan over Kansas, and four years later, he ran into his mom in a hotel during the NCAA tournament, and it was his mom apologizing, saying, Coach, he should have come to Kansas over Michigan. And Roy Williams said, I appreciate that, but I never got to coach your son. And, and that led to what became a, a really turbulent time for Roy Williams recruiting at Kansas. And he went through a same sort of spell at Carolina, although the investigation by the NCAA, the NCAA really played a factor into it. Hubert Davis has been very vocal, very honest, that Carolina was going to be a national recruiting presence. And since he's been on the job, he, he's, he's held up his end of the bargain. You look at the four guys he's bringing in this year, 
He landed two five-star commits in 2023 with Gigi Jackson and Simeon Wiltshire, a guy we'll touch on here in just a second. But it, it was always with the premise of, I want two feet in, unpack your bags, and experience not just Carolina basketball, but the university and the town itself. So in, in, in his first year, he's had his first real negative taste of recruiting, mm-hmm. which is something that a lot of young coaches um, are, are having to learn the really hard way with NIL, the transfer portal, and stuff like that, and stuff like that out there. Could we see this persuade Hubert Davis to stay away from recruiting elite prospects? Because a lot of people are going to have this opinion that they want the one-and-done talent. And I've always said, I like the talent. Right. But I, I like experience well. So if this means we got to we got to recruit four star prospects that are going to be on my team for three to four years, I'm not going to be beating down the door complaining, because when you do that, even though Caleb Love, yes, was a five star prospect coming out, but he's back here for his junior year. Same thing for Armando Baycott, five star prospect. He's now back for his senior season. Those guys were five stars, but they weren't NBA one and done type of talent. Now we're looking at a situation where we're going to enter this season as the prohibitive favorite to make the Final Four and win the national championship. So mm-hmm. could we see a change of philosophy with this from Hubert Davis and his stack attacking the recruiting trail? I, I, I don't think so. Because, and again, th- there is a chance that you could see more of this moving forward. You could see parents and stuff start to get more involved because of the NIL money. But I think... I, I just there is no way that you're going to stop recruiting top end talent if they are wanting to listen to you because of this scenario. I mean, yeah, it's it's I, it, there's no doubt it's a little strange, and it's something that will probably make you wonder: Do we actually want this to keep up? But I don't think I, I it's such a unique situation that I don't think you're going to see this moving forward. Um, so no, I, I don't think this should stray them away from recruiting five-star prospects that could potentially be one and done. I mean, look, there are guys on this roster. Look, when they brought in Caleb Love, they thought he was going to be one and done. When they brought in Baycott, they thought he was going to be one and done. Um, but it just didn't work out that way. And so, look, if that happens moving forward, then that's that's ultimately what Toriel fans probably want. Not saying they want guys that aren't going to have great careers in the NBA, but they're you know they like the guys that stick around for a few years. I don't think it's going to change anything. First of all, I think that if you look at the way Carolina recruited in the last recruiting cycle, they will have multiple guys that will be two, three, four-year players. There's no doubt about that. But this decision in and of itself. This is not going to completely change the way that Carolina recruits. It's just, it's not, that's that's not how it's going to work. And it shouldn't work that way. Uh, it's just, the, the, this is as awkward of a, of a basketball recruiting situation as I have ever seen. I've seen some football ones that have been a little wild. Not in Carolina, just in general. This one is just insanity. I mean, you're talking about a guy that literally went yesterday. On the day of recording here, yesterday was when he decommitted from Carolina the night before. Everybody was saying it's South Carolina. There's no doubt about that. Now, as we sit here on the day of recording, now there's rumors that it could be the G League. He might not even go to college altogether. So it's just, it's it's all it's so all over the place. And I hope that they are not going to use that as 
a measuring stick for other five-star prospects that they're recruiting because you shouldn't. Well, you mentioned the other five-star prospect that was committed to Carolina in the class, that being Simeon Wilcher, a guy who who committed to UNC back at their kickoff to basketball last season. And even though it took Jackson six to eight months later to, to commit to Carolina, there was this shared belief that they were a package deal, they were a combo, and when the rumors about Jackson's decommitment started heating up, there was the worry some around uh, around Wiltshire that he could follow suit, decommit from Carolina, and go elsewhere. If you go back and check out that edition I did with Alex Caramanos earlier this week, he believes that that will not happen. He does believe that Wiltshire will stay committed to UNC. Now, without Gigi Jackson, he'll probably be the face of that class, and he'll be entering a situation where next year he'll he'll have a chance to make a really big impact and, and be a part of a team that we're hoping is looking to defend a national championships. That is the good news, is that even though um, we, we, we did lose Gigi Jackson, the first number one player to commit to UNC since 2010, um, we're, we still got at least one five-star that we believe will stay committed for the long haul. And as I mentioned, Hubert Davis has been busy offering other players in this, in this class, most notably T.J. Power and Zayden High. You can read about their recruitments at HeelToughBlog.com. We're going to take a quick break. We'll play this week's ad from DraftKings, and then when we come back, we'll get into Carolina's 2022 non-conference slate as some opponents and dates were announced earlier this week. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and and props, your betting feels endless. So whether you're like me, you're going to bet on the upcoming Mets series, or maybe you're a Braves fan, or this week's ongoing Open Championship, you can do all of that at DraftKings Sportsbook. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash Whenever you want, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you on the Four Corners side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough Blog podcast as well. So it is only July, and we've still got 114 days until the start of the season, but a sign that we are getting closer and closer to the start is the fact that Carolina did release some opponents and all of the dates for their non-conference slate 
this season. We will first see Carolina in action publicly October 28th. That's the Friday night of homecoming weekend in Chapel Hill when they host Johnson C. Smith in a exhibition that would lead us to believe, even though it has not been confirmed yet by the, the by, by the school, that late night will be October 21st. But So Carolina's first public exhibition will be Friday, October 28th. Tar Heel football will then host Pittsburgh the next day for that homecoming game. Carolina's season opener will be the first of four games in Chapel Hill when they host in-state opponent UNC Wilmington. They then host College of Charleston, November 11th, Gardner-Webb, November 15th, James Madison, November 20th, before the first time Carolina goes on the road, will be in the in the Phil Knight Invitational, PK-80s was what they're calling it. Of course, Carolina did compete in this event five years ago, losing in the final of their bracket to Michigan State. But um, as of right now, Carolina does not know their opponent um, for that opening game. But the other teams in attendance are Portland, Oregon, Villanova, Alabama, Iowa State, Michigan State. Um, All but two teams that are in this event did make the NCAA tournament last season. So that will be over the Thanksgiving uh, holiday, which will be a busy time in the sports world with college basketball having their their holiday tournaments that, of course – Thanksgiving is the NFL day, mm-hmm. and then you have that Saturday, which is the final weekend of the regular season in college football, and also the World Cup, because it's in Qatar, is going to be played in November and December, so it's going to be a crazy, fun, exciting sports month right there around the holiday season of Thanksgiving. Once Carolina gets done out west, they will then stay on the road and go to Indiana. The We already knew that it was confirmed they were going to play at Indiana for the AC. Big Ten Challenge. We now have a date. That'll be November 30th. Can you tell me what happened the last time Carolina played at Indiana? They lost rather handedly to the Hoosiers as well. Can I? Can you tell me what they would later do later that season? What a national championship. So that is something that uh, will be something that we will kind of monitor. There's usually some bylines that, that follow Carolina national championships, whether it's you know, under Roy Williams, it was win the Maui Invitational, have four 1,000-point scores on the roster. This one could be kind of something similar to 2017 where you, you, you lose a road game at the same opponent in the ACC Big Ten well, Challenge. Well, let's hope we – Carolina's record against them really since the turn of the century has not been good, although it is in large part to the fact that they seem to play every matchup against them in Assembly Hall. Yeah, they have not played in Chapel Hill – since 01. Yep. So every time they have met in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, it has been in Bloomington. Of course, Carolina did did throttle them in 2016 on their way to the Final Four. Coming out, coming off of that game, Carolina will have a ACC game, which will be announced. We could just go in off the dates. You can imagine that would be um, right around the first week of December because they will host the Citadel December 13th before their final two non-conference games of the 
year are against opponents to be announced at a later time. December 17th is the CBS Sports Classic. They've played Kentucky the last two seasons, um, but they were not supposed to play Kentucky, but because of COVID and stuff like that, matchups did get rearranged. You would imagine this will be UCLA. Yes, you would imagine. Um, But, of course, we're still battling the pandemic and stuff like that, so that that opponent is yet to be announced. And there's some confusion between us where Carolina – is competing in the Jumpman Invitational, which will be here locally in Charlotte, December 21st. We believed it to be against Michigan as Florida and Oklahoma are the other two schools that are going to compete in this event. But the school announced that that opponent will officially be released at a later time this season. So Carolina's got a they got a jammed pack non-conference schedule against a bunch of opponents we don't know outside of outside of Indiana. And uh, you know, I, I did see some chatter from people once they released a non-conference schedule where um, outside of going to Indiana, all of Carolina's quote unquote games away from home will be on a neutral site, but they're gonna be against NCAA tournament caliber competition. And your home games, unless you're hosting the ACC Big Ten Challenge, will be against mid-major programs. And folks, that, that, that scheduling model is here to stay. As many tournaments as Carolina is involved in on a year-in, year-out basis with the Jumpman Invitational, the CBS Sports Classic, and the Phil Knight Invitational every five years, Maui, the Battle for Atlantis, or whatever, Carolina's got to, they've they got to schedule, they got to schedule wins, and they got to make money in some capacity, and that's where bringing in those small non-conference games against the, you know, some in-state opponents and some other out-of-state opponents like the College or Charleston, they're going to factor in. Do you have any gripes with Carolina's scheduling that way? No, not really. I mean, especially with how tough this is now, because again, you look at now the Jumpman Classic or Jumpman Invitational now added to the schedule. So that means that you've got showcase games in in there and in the CBS Sports Classic. You've got the PK-80 tournament, and look, it's, it, it doesn't matter. Carolina is always going to play in a significant tournament there, whether it's the PK whenever they do that every five years. It looks like Carolina is going to be involved in that. You've got, of course, Maui, which we've talked about plenty of times before, and you've got the battle for Atlantis that Carolina has been to quite a few times. So, I think it it look it makes sense, and and the other thing is is that Carolina has gone on the road to some of these teams in recent years. Now it's basically the back end of those home and homes. I have no problem with this schedule because here's the thing: one of the other teams that year in and year out is in that conversation, and that we have to hear about all the time. You know, they don't. Hey, they play a weak non-conference schedule, but they still get ready for conference season. We hear that all the time with Duke, and they don't play in the CBS Sports Classic. They're not playing in the Jumpman Invitational, so I think Carolina will be perfectly fine. Um, you know what? I did find it. What it was is it looks like we probably are going to play Michigan. John Rostein actually reported that back in April that according to multiple sources it would be those teams but they have not made that official which I do find pretty interesting that you have a guy in Rothstein who is one of the top news collectors for college basketball and they didn't announce that right after so that is that is notable I think it's something to keep an eye on who knows they could switch up the matchups um but if that is actually the schedule you have to go on the road to Indiana I didn't even mention the ACC Big Ten Challenge there. You have to go on the road to Indiana. We expect it to be UCLA. 
and you are playing in a neutral site. Granted, it's in your own backyard against Michigan, not to mention any of these teams that you're going to face. And, and again, like you said, I think that this field last year at the time when they picked these teams out was probably more difficult. Villanova losing Jay Wright, I think, is a real significant blow to this tournament overall because I think they thought that was going to be one of the matchups that you would get. But there are still some really, really good teams that will be in that tournament. So for me, I think Carolina is still going to be ready. And I think, look, one of the things that you're seeing is they're welcoming in a lot of local schools. And that's one of the things that Carolina is really good at is making sure that they have good connections with these local schools because there's a good chance that some of these schools that they're playing this year, they could be returning the favorites uh, too soon. You could see them go on the road to UNC Wilmington. You could see them go on the road to uh, a, a, a team like, who was the team at the end? The Citadel. Um, you could see something like that. So I, I, I'm I'm not concerned about it. I think Carolina will still be ready, especially this year's team. I think regardless of who they play, they're going to be ready to go. No closing notes for today's edition of the pod. So with that, we are going to go ahead and get out of here. But before we do, we do encourage you guys to go to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, for the latest on the on Carolina's schedule breakdown for the non-conference slate. I wrote about that as well as breakdowns of all three guys that Carolina has offered this week on the recruiting trail and an even more in-depth breakdown uh, of, of Gregory Gigi Jackson's decision to decommit from the program as for football. There's still some more recruiting stuff on the site as well. This week will be ACC Media Days, so we'll be covering you from what what Mac Brown and the players have to say while they're here in Charlotte. Before you know it, we'll be doing stuff, getting ready for preseason camp and getting you ready for the start of the football season, which is roughly six weeks away or so right now for Tar Heel football. So find all that great football and basketball coverage at HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. You can rate and review right there. But most importantly, we do encourage you guys to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the podcast throughout the remainder of the off season. But with that, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always... Go Tar Heels! The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.